is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? This is Radiohead. Broadcasting live on DallasCowboys.com and the official Dallas Cowboys app. Now your hosts, Tyler Klutz, Christy Scales, and Brad Sham. Defer. <laughs> we defer. Wait, I'm Walt Anderson. I did. I did not hear so you. So we I defer. Didn't hear you. So, so after the show, you won it, right? <laughs> we defer. Well, um, first of all, I'm I'm very glad that I heard Babe Laufenberg and Tyler Klutz talking late in the week about the fact that the Cowboys would probably beat the Rams by three touchdowns at yes. least. You yeah. totally uh, called it. Way to go, Tyler. So I'm saying yeah. just, yeah, check my MySpace. It was on there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and, and, and then I'm just going to presume if you are tuned into this podcast whenever you're tuned into it that you're aware of the kerfuffle over the opening coin flip, which is just perfect for the way their season has gone, the Cowboys. <laughs> but uh, just to recap for a moment, because Christy is still a little exercised about the whole thing, I'm very which I exercised find about it. very amusing. So I, we always on the radio broadcast carry the coin flip. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, depending on what's said, I'll throw a little comment in, and uh, and sometimes not. And I think... That the uh, we were a tick late getting the audio turned up for me to hear the whole thing, mm-hmm. but I knew that um, the Rams were the visiting team. They called the flip, and I heard Walt Anderson say it was whatever the opposite was. And then the next thing I thought I heard was Dak Prescott saying something that I. Didn't make sense because it sounded like defer. Mm-hmm. Defer. And I thought, why would he pronounce? He knows how to pronounce it, but he was apparently saying defense. And and only later then did we find out that. But I knew right away as soon as I heard him say, "We want to kick off. We want to be on defense." And I then said, "Yeah." No, no, you don't. You want to defer. Oh, yeah, Brad was going off at that point. Because if you say that, then they're going to get their choice in the second half. Yes, and you can see the video here, and, you know, nobody knew what was going well, on, and to well, be and honest. Then, and then to be totally tickled this morning to read that Demarcus Lawrence took it hey, upon kick himself. It, kick it, kick we it. We want to play we'll a kick it. And that was not the instruction. The instruction from the bench, apparently, Christy, was take the ball. Yes, yeah. that's right. And so... Which I also don't y- like, y- by y- the way. You mess up the coin toss, which is the easiest thing to do. You mess up the opening kickoff, and you blow out the Rams 44-21. Yeah. to 21, And they like... got two garbage touchdowns at the end. The Rams mm-hmm. did. It was even more lopsided than that. But, Tyler, have you ever been in a situation in a game where you, are, you come out from halftime, mm-hmm. from gathering together with your coaches and teammates, you come back on the field, and you don't know who's going to get the ball? Because that's what happened yesterday. Has that ever happened to you? Uh, yes, yeah. So uh, I think the year was 1999. That was a Turkey Bowl in Clovis, California, 
and we took a little break, and we couldn't decide who was going to get the ball. But that was, was literally wait, the only time. Fresno? Was this Fresno? Fresno, State? outside. And who were you playing? Yeah. Uh, I was playing my uncle, my buddy's uncle. Um, oh, so what? Yeah. It's a couple of kegs <laughs> were, were involved. Literally. Kegs were involved. No, it was literally like the Thanksgiving turkey bowl that you play with your family. Oh. But, so I've never been a part of an organized game where you don't know what it is. The only thing I can think of that like somewhat relates to this is that whole coin flip fiasco, right? Like, what did you call? I yes. thought you said heads, or I thought you said right. tails. Like right. that's that would be the only thing that I've ever seen remotely because you know what it is, right? And your game plan through the first half has influence based off of what happens in the second and, and half. That, and that's why this is outrageous to me because now it ended up. Everyone's kind of laughing about what happened with the oh, coin we toss. Are. We, we are. We are. They might not be laughing. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. So just be- with a minute and a half to go in the first half, Sean Lee intercepts the ball, yeah. sets up the Zeke Elliott second touchdown of the first half. The Cowboys have a big lead going into halftime. But if Lee had not gotten that interception, if the Rams had gone on a drive and scored, it would have been a one-possession game going into the second half. And so this is huge. Mm-hmm. And and nobody knew who was getting the ball. And what happened was Walt Anderson, the referee, uh, conferred with Al Riveron, the director of officiating in the league offices in New York. This is the guy who determines like the replay stuff yeah. and all of the controversy that has happened this year with pass interference or not pass interference, all of that. That's Al Riveron. And he's the one that corrected the mistake that tried mm-hmm. to get everything under control, but he waited until halftime. Yeah, see, that's crazy to me that that you wouldn't say if there's any uncertainty because it's such a pivotal point in the game and direction. What it is? Hold on, hold on, stop, or I'm going to walk over to the sideline and I'm going to confirm, but I'm also going to repeat back the the exacts. Okay, the Cowboys have chosen to defer. And they will be kicking off in the first half. Rams, you will be receiving from this end zone. I mean, and that's pretty standard. They do this. Remember, like, back in the day, instead of just calling it and running off, you switch sides, the referee will tap him on the shoulder, and he'll say he's receiving. I mean, it's very clearly stated. And so just how quickly they ran through this. And, you know, Dak and DeMarcus are like, oh, we want to kick, we want to kick, we want to be on defense, we want to be on defense. All right, cool, see you. And then ran off. And then, but the referee's job. Well, well he did say we defer, but it was he after did he said. But it was no, after yeah, he yeah. said the first and it was, two. And, it was very and Anderson clear. did not hear we defer. Right, right, and that's what I'm saying. And if I was the Rams at that point, I'd be jumping up and down. Yeah, because like for, wait, this, wait, wait. for all of this. For, wait a minute, hold on a minute. You can't let him defer <laughs> yeah. after he said defense. Yeah. So here's what happens with the Rams. We're a couple of possessions into the game. It is early in the first quarter, mm-hmm. and Aaron Andrews, uh, who's on the sideline, obviously for five. We've been buddies a long time. We share information all the time. She comes up to me and she's like, you know about the coin toss? I'm like, yeah, we got the audio. She says, Sean McVay just asked me who's getting the ball to start the second half. She says, I asked asked Byron Boston. He's the line judge. uh, Byron Boston said the Rams get it because the Cowboys elected to kick. We're in the first quarter. Wow. Okay, and there and, she, no and, and so she comes point. back. I, I said we 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 have the was. audio. That's true. And she says to me now she's talking about the Fox crew in the oh. production truck. They had in stick. I believe she said the stick microphone. So the one that's out there when they're gathered at yeah. midfield for the coin toss. They're going through trying to find the audio. We don't know yet, or they haven't heard whether he said if we defer, meaning Dak. Yeah. So. 
It's going, it's going, it's going. They go into halftime. The Rams go into halftime thinking they're going to get the ball. We've been talking about it on Cowboys Radio the whole time. As um, I thought Babe as, was going to hit me at one point. He was sick of talking about it. But you and I understood that they didn't. That it wasn't clear. There's so, a lot, so, and there's a lot riding on that. And so I mean, there really at, was. As Walt Anderson and the officiating crew walk, they go to that would be the uh, Southwest Tunnel to in the corner of the end zone. They're going up the tunnel to take their break. They've got a locker room up that direction. And I asked Walt Anderson, "Who is getting the ball to start the second half?" We're unclear on what happened this is my with the favorite, coin toss. This is my favorite part of the whole day And yesterday. he says to me, I can't comment. That, that's my favorite part of the whole day. I can't comment. Now, now that's, that's actually not unusual, We're still really. in negotiations. <laughs> but here's the thing. At this point, he doesn't know that yeah. – he doesn't know really either because Al Riveron has waited until halftime to talk – to confer that's with Walt insane. Anderson. So, insane. okay, now fast, here's what happens at halftime. The players leave the field, and the referee Walt, punches. Walt, have you been to Ukraine? I can't comment. Well, Walt punches out. So what he does is the referee, just like when you have a timeout, he waves his arm over his head, and then he punches out. And when he gives that signal, the punching out uh, signal, that's when the timekeeping uh, yeah. starts. The clock starts either to count down a commercial break or to count down halftime. 13 minutes on the clock, punch out. Anderson heads up towards the tunnel along with the officiating crew. Now we're at the two-minute mark. There's two minutes left in halftime. We're about 11 minutes later. So here the, a lot of the Cowboys are back in the bench area. I'm at the tunnel because I want to talk to the officiating crew. Gary Brown, the running backs coach for the Cowboys, is the first offensive coach out of the tunnel. I ask, Gary, are we getting the ball to start the second half? He says, I don't know. I said, how can you not know? He says, we don't know. Gary keeps walking. Several seconds later, here comes Kellen Moore, the offense coordinator who, by the way, calls the plays. Kellen, I ask, what's up? Are we getting the ball to start the second half? We don't know. Wow. He's, he's, he says, I think they were supposed to talk at halftime. And just then we turn and we look, and they're in front of the, just in front of the Cowboys bench at the 50-yard line. One of the offensive team captains, Zach Martin, is talking with Walt Anderson. Jason Garrett joins them. And at that point, we see a signal of we're going to get the ball. You see, you see a $5 ball. bill being exchanged, and then— <laughs> And at that point, I looked up at the countdown clock, and there was uh, a minute and 30 seconds left in halftime. Wow. And I learned I didn't learn until this morning that um, Sean McVay said that they learned uh, a, a little earlier in halftime okay. that, uh, that they weren't getting the ball. <laughs> Insane. You it's, couldn't make it up. No. <laughs> you couldn't make it up. It's professional and I, football. And for those of you that were listening to the the radio cast and listening to Brad and, and Christy and, and Babe over the game, I mean, that sequence of events on the coin flip and then the kickoff. I mean, if you're oh. a fan, oh. you're like, oh, oh, here we go. Here exactly. we go. Oh. And, I, exactly. and I, you could just hear it in Brad's voice. It was just like the ultimate, just like, I don't what disguise is my emotions very well. What is going on here? And poor Kai Forbath, the new kicker. Oh. I mean, his head just went down. Yeah. It was just like Charlie Brown after Lucy rips the you know ball what, though, away good, one more time. Good for him. I mean, outside of the last kickoff, but at that point, the game had been won and. 
you know, you could start to smirk about it. I wouldn't say you were allowed to have an all-out laugh, but um, but he rebounded. I mean, three oh, yes. three huge field goals and was consistent. And to be able to just to to put that behind him, you know, like hey, welcome to Dallas. But I, w- I was kind of angry at myself because I, it just kind of got by. I knew that he'd only kicked in one game for one team this yeah. year, and yeah. he'd only kicked a few games last year. But I, I had it just went through my brain pan mm-hmm. to check with him on: Have you kicked off? Because a lot of teams have their punters kick yeah. off, including New England, where he was for the one yeah. game. Mm-hmm. Bailey, yeah. so, punter kicks off. So that means what has it been? Three years since you kicked off live in a game. Live in a game. Yeah. And he t- he said later on the post game TV show, I said, you know, congratulations, nice mm-hmm. win. The hell happened to the first kickoff? <laughs> and he he said, "I think I was too excited. Yeah, I was just all pumped up. And, but it would it's he might not have kicked off for three years. Yeah. Well, I know you know I know he practiced kicking off at UCLA. He to, lives yes. in Santa Barbara, you know where he works out. But that's but it's not the totally same. different, right? From a kicker's mentality, right? The mechanics have to be the same every every single time you go and kick. And I, I lived with the kicker through college, and I mean. This kicker was a different breed. I mean, he was like a 400 bench press. So many of them squat. are crazy. So many of them are. But I mean, different from the rest. Where I mean, he was a monster. But it's so important to them in mechanics and the mindset. If you are wound up at all and your mechanics are short or or you're too fast or you're too slow, I mean, there's so many things that play into it. And if you're off a little bit. And your steps are off because think about how how meticulously they measure their steps on field goals and kickoffs. It's the exact same every single time. And if you're off just a little bit and your first step, you're too excited, it's too big, it throws the whole thing off. And so I, I get it. I totally get it. So the let fact me interrupt was, you for a second yeah. because I want people to understand the ramifications of it throws mm-hmm. the whole things off because mm-hmm. you've played on kickoff teams yeah. most of your life, yep. right? Yep. So even today, with the touchback rules, what they are, and you you know you you have to stand on one foot with a handkerchief in your left ear, and mm-hmm. you know nobody can do what they used yeah. to do. And, but you're told this is a kickoff. This is a right return, right? We're, yeah. we're we want, we are positioning people in the kickoff team yep. to funnel them to a certain place if the ball is short, or we want to kick it short, or mm-hmm. only the players on the kickoff team know. So and just tell me if I'm right, yeah. that when you say it throws everything off, you guys know what the return is. Yeah. And if the kicker miss steps, yep. miss hits, then everybody is doing one thing, and the mm-hmm. ball might be going somewhere else, and that's when you get one run right back down your throat. That's right. And so, uh, yeah, to your point, right, there's a level of trust on that kickoff unit. And that ball has to be – it's not like, oh, hey, kick it to the left side. No, it's like on the numbers five yards deep, that's where you need to put the ball. Or, hey, this kickoff, we're actually going to drop it in on the numbers on the 15-yard line because we know there's a gap. So from a kickoff coverage unit, what it does is, okay, so there's generally you know left kick, middle kick, right kick, sky kick, you know both ways. And then there's deep, and then there's, there's other levels of it. And what you do is your coverage, and the point of kicking it to a side, right, is now you're forcing the kick return team into being a one-dimensional team because you're saying, we're going to kick it to the left. We're not going to let you bring it back to our right. Based off of our coverage and our lanes that we've got to go down and cover, we're forcing you into one thing. 
you know, on the other side of the ball, the kickoff return team is like, okay, I, we know if you're going to kick it here every single time that this is how we're going to design a return off of that. But the trust level, so it's not like field goals where everyone's like, okay, you got to be perfect, you got to be exact. It's exact on kickoffs. It has to be in the same place every time because you are building a coverage unit based off of where that kick is. Same with punters. When punters, when you see where they're going, the coverage, and you see the releases from the gunners, which is like what the receivers are, the gunners, where they release, you could tell where he's kicking the ball. So you know exactly where he's kicking it because the coverage is dictated off of where they're kicking it. I got, so it's not just going out and just swinging as hard as he can. I got a tremendous education two weeks ago from Justin March, the Cowboys linebacker. Christy, you can correct me. I think he's the, he's either one or two in special teams tackles yes, that's for right. the year. Mm-hmm. And an offseason award winner again this year. And mm-hmm. he went through for me what because they were getting ready to play Corderell Patterson, who yep. is by far the most mm-hmm. pro- Dangerous, productive yeah. kickoff returner in the league this year. And so he was explaining to me how they w- have been switching to they f- the the number four position on the kickoff team mm-hmm. right and left f- f- turns out to be your probably your fastest most safety agile. generally like you, that's what like Jeff Heath for a lot of time he would play so March has been playing one of them and C J Goodwin who they mm-hmm. consider their best tackler and yeah. special teams player on the other one. And so if people had been designing their kickoff return, I know this is so esoteric, but <laughs> games swing on these things. Yes. People yes. have been designing their return teams mm-hmm. to try to run Goodwin out of the play. Yep. So they, the Cowboys, had been working on switching mm-hmm. Goodwin and March from one side to the other with the idea being to get mostly Goodwin and then in March mm-hmm. freed up yep. and off what they thought the blocking scheme would be. And if the ball is not hit the way you practiced all week for whatever reason, you got to yeah. mess. The only gauge that you have on a coverage unit is where the returner is, right? So that's the only – you can't see the ball while you're running down the field. It's a level of trust saying, okay, he's going to put it where I, before the kick, have decided my lane is going to be based off of the kick. So whether you're running down the numbers, whether you're switching with the guy and going from the numbers to the hash, and now the hash is your lane, like there are landmarks on the field that you have to run down and cover based off of where you're expecting that ball to hit. So you hear special teams coaches lose it on kickers and punters if they miss hit it because Absolutely. if you've got your entire let's just use punt for example if you've got your entire coverage unit going deep right and he miss hits it to the left you cannot have lane integrity as you come back to the other side now you're chasing the play and so it's a huge deal for these guys but yeah you're exactly right i mean all those returns are dictated on the two the two cover guys that are the most dangerous and they're going to change up the scheme to try to take those guys out of it and the other wrinkle uh, actually, a few wrinkles yesterday with special teams is the injuries. Oh. Luke Gifford, who's been playing special teams, he has not had any defensive snaps this season. He's mm-hmm. the rookie linebacker from Nebraska who suffered a broken forearm. But a great preseason early in, got, got great hurt. Great preseason and, then, yeah. and, and over 50 snaps on special teams in five games. He suffers a fractured left forearm early in the first quarter. It was actually on the um, Rams' second possession. They uh, punted. Uh, with a little over eight minutes to go, uh, sorry, a little under 10 minutes to go in the first quarter. Luke Gifford suffers a fractured forearm. Key guy on special teams now, uh, his role. Joe Thomas, the linebacker, 
Huge role on special Huge. teams all year. He's out with a knee injury. Chris Covington, who's been on your practice squad all year, who got promoted on um, Saturday, he's playing special teams in a game for the first time yeah. this year. And they've now, been they've been switching. They they moved. They did some more movement with Ventel Bryant this week. Who, by the way, hurt his knee in practice on Friday. They weren't sure if he was going to play. Oh yeah, and you have a new kicker who probably hadn't kicked off for a few years. Yeah. So other than that. How did you enjoy the defer, play, Mrs. Lincoln? Def- defer. <laughs> so now on the show, we've made it through the first two minutes yeah, of the game. Of the game, yes. Okay, and, may, and, may I tell one more story, though? On And this has to do, because we mentioned C.J. Goodwin. Yes. Okay? C.J. Goodwin, I just want hmm. Cowboys Nation to know how much this player is appreciated among teammates and coaching staff and others in the league as one of the really great coverage men in the NFL and as a flyer, okay? He's, he's got a lot of respect among his teammates. But I um, finished writing a feature that's going to be in the game day program for the uh, final regular season home game against Washington, and it has to do with how you get your shot in the league. Now, Tyler plays at Fresno State, and then he plays in Arena League in Canada and the United Football League, and you know, so everybody's got a story, yeah. But I've never met a player whose story of getting to the NFL has to do with shoveling cow manure, and that is how CJ Goodwin literal cow manure literally shoveled blank to help get to the NFL. So CJ Goodwin is wow. from Wheeling, West Virginia, which is about an hour's ride from uh, Pittsburgh. It's yeah. basically kind of like a Pittsburgh market kind of yeah. place and team. And CJ Goodwin was a great basketball player in high school and he played Division 3 and then Division 2 college basketball. Uh, but he was uh, school teammates with the son of Mel Blunt. Mel Blunt, who was named to the NFL's all-time 100 uh, great team, great one of the greatest cornerbacks in NFL history, obviously. And Mel has a working farm that does like youth things, youth programs. It's sort of like a Happy Hill farm almost, except that mm-hmm. kids don't live there. So uh, C.J. Goodwin gets hired by Mel Blunt as a teenager to work on Mel Blunt's farm, literally shoveling cow manure. And mucking the horse stalls because Mel Blunt uh, breaks horses and trains yeah, them. Yeah, he's a great horseman. He, he wow. gets he gets promoted. CJ does to working with the the kids because they do all these mm-hmm. mentoring and educational programs. So he's working his way up. He continues to work for Mel Blunt all through um, high school and college. And then uh, CJ only plays. Um, he switches from basketball to college football his senior year plays wide receiver long story short uh mel blunt says you know what you do well this year and i will make a call to the steelers for you Mm -hmm. and mel blunt all the good graces that he has as a steelers legend only once has he ever picked up the phone call and asked picked up the phone and asked for a favor to ask for a tryout and it was for cj goodwin and it's because not only you know obviously cj's work ethic but his high character Mm -hmm. and that's how cj goodwin got a shot in the nfl and it goes back to the time that he was mucking horse stalls and shoveling cow manure for a legendary pittsburgh steelers you had that's insane no really though like you had, seriously, you had you were on Easy Street. You just didn't know it. I was selling pumpkins, but he was 
<laughs> he was literally wow. I, I didn't know that. That's that's incredible. But you know what though? The the reason it translates to the field, right? You can see when a guy appreciates where he's at and loves it. And 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 not to say not to say that you know guys that are first round picks don't deserve it or they're not good players or they don't have a good work ethic because some of the hardest workers were first round picks that I've been around. But there is a there is just an appreciation for guys that go through things like that that have a story that they had to scratch and claw to get there because Wednesday practice when you're sore and you're tired those guys are excited to be there those yeah. guys continue to work hard those are the guys that everyone else is like dude slow down man come on seriously slow you're making us look bad yeah I mean really like the Jeff Heaths I mean he's another guy that like I hated practicing against but I hoped that the defense hated practicing against me too. Because every single time you know that that person's be, but it translates. And the guys that are productive on special teams, those are those guys. Um, I've gone. We've gone this far without me mentioning the fantastic Christmas sweater Christie's wearing. Is that oh, what you're wearing to the Christmas party? I'm not yeah. wearing it to the Christmas party tonight. I got to go a little more blingy because you know the Joneses. They yeah, want yeah. more bling, but. Uh-huh. It is a little more sparkly I'm, here in the am, podcast studio be, than I thought. I'll be de-blinged. I'm just <laughs> so I've got right I've got to ask, right? Just because you know Christmas spirit and turns to Christmas vacation. So turtleneck is that a full turtleneck or is no, it part of the sweater? No, it's a mock. Oh, so no, like a dicky. Is it yeah, a dicky? Like, like a dicky. Yeah, like uh-huh. like uh, cousin Eddie wore under his white. Showing your age now. <laughs> his white sweater with the green dicky underneath Showing it. Showing your That's age, right. sir. That's right. All right. Um, there was a football game uh, yeah. before the Christmas party and yeah. after the coin flip and the opening kickoff yesterday, and we'll be back to talk some more about it in just a minute on Radioheads. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Whether you're into being a part of this or more into something like this, SeatGeek has the tickets to the events you love. It's the easiest way to find, buy, and sell tickets. Plus, with their deal score technology, they'll recommend the best seats in the house at the best value. So the next time you're craving this... the SeatGeek app and let's go. SeatGeek. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. Ready? Okay. Give me an S. Just okay is not okay. Whether it's cheerleaders or your wireless network, AT&T is America's best wireless network. Best network based on GWS1 score September 2019. Back to Radioheads. 
Thanks for being with us on uh, Victory Monday. We forgot what Victory Monday was like a little bit. <laughs> he said snarkily. Brad Sham with Tyler Klutz and Christy Scales. Uh, Michael Urban, you may have seen, decided yesterday on the NFL Network to go back to something that he that he had done before that he felt he needed he needed something for the mojo so he started wearing the other teams colors the teams the ah. Cowboys were playing ah. on his NFL network assignments so Christy apparently has adopted that yeah. I have. with her uh, with her Christmas garb I'm putting the mojo afternoon. hex on the Eagles uh, for next Sunday no, this is not Eagles green. For those this of, is yeah. Christmas tree green, but thank you for those yeah. who commented I guess, on it. I guess so. on camera, it on does, camera, does, have, it it does have that pretty Eagles, Pretty Eagles kinda, green. Yeah, it's in person uh, it is lighter. Pretty Eagles green. Yeah. All right, well, as soon Christy as... Christy once, as, by the yeah. way, um, <laughs> when... when uh, I think you'll correct me when the Cowboys had signed Terrell Owens. Mm. Oh, this uh, is great! And we and the, when the trip <laughs> oh, w- was to Philadelphia, so so <laughs> tell them the story about you in the parking lot at Veterans Stadium in Philadelphia yeah. with the eagle with the Terrell Owens jerseys. My dear friends Ken and Elva Davis, who live in Philadelphia, and I visit with on every trip, and I'll see them this weekend. Uh, they had a Terrell Owens Eagles jersey, yeah. and so as a, kind of a bit as a joke, and actually I was going to write a story about it for uh, the team magazine. I decided to wear the Terrell Owens Eagles jersey, even though he wasn't an Eagle anymore. He was a Cowboy playing in Philadelphia for the first time as a former Eagles player. So I went out tailgating for about four hours Only before Christy kickoff in a Terrell Owens jersey just to see the reaction. Yeah. I mean, you can blend in-ish. But not with a T.O. And, it, it, you know, so I'm walking through and people are kind of looking at me. And I'm pretending that I'm from Canada and have never been to a game yeah. before. And what's the big like deal? Like when you play in London and, and they wear like every other exactly, team's jerseys to the games because exactly. that's the only yeah. So a very nice couple who had their RV all outfitted in Eagles, the, you know, very nice middle aged couple, pulled me to the side and said, "You might not want to be wearing that." And I'm like, "I'm like, well, it's it's the only thing I have." It's an Eagles and what's, jersey, don't you and know? And what's the problem? <laughs> and so what they did was they took. Um, duct tape yeah and that they had in the rv and they ghost busted the front and the back you know like a circle yeah. with the thing across so that it was anti-terrell owens oh. and um and then i was getting high-fived and free food in the parking lot <laughs> but it made, it made for a great bit i mean she who would have away. thought though and this is me just being a hater who would have thought that you actually would have come across some nice eagles fans actually can i tell you how much <laughs> Veteran, old Veteran Stadium was such an armpit, and ever since they moved to the link, yeah, it's just not as vitriolic. And I think part of it is because the most um, vitriolic fans have been like priced out of the good yeah. seats down low yeah. and like over the tunnel and within battering thro- battery throwing yeah. distance. We, we knew that well in Fresno, <laughs> but. Um, Anyway, so, I mean, there's still a lot of them, but maybe they're more in the upper decks than low. But here's how I knew that that things had chilled with the new, uh, move to the new stadium. I think our first game there at the link, it had to be later in the season because it was cold. I remember yeah. it being cold. And behind the visiting bench, they had set up a folding table. And on top of the folding table were three hot beverage dispensers. Mm. They had coffee. They had hot chocolate, and they had chicken broth. Mm. And that was behind the visiting bench. So I'm helping myself to chicken broth, and then it occurs to me, 
I wonder if they spit in it. Yeah. It, it, or or whatever else. Yeah. It actually and, it actually wasn't chicken broth. It yeah, actually was just hot water. Said chicken it was just broth. hot water. It said chicken broth. And um and it was in Philadelphia about three years ago, I think, that the buses got egged. I was just gonna I was literally gonna oh, make a reference to getting time. egg. I was I've well, I guess just when I was in Dallas. It happened multiple times when we were in Dallas mm-hmm. playing in Philly. Mm-hmm. And I'd played there uh, with some other teams and it wasn't as bad, but the hate Oh no, no, the hate yeah. for the hate for the yes. Cowboys in, in yeah. Philadelphia, New York, and Washington. I mean, I mean, they know where you're coming. The yeah. fans know where the where the buses, the buses park, enter and they, and they line know, up. Okay, they know the early crew is coming two and a half hours before kickoff and then the the next crew is an hour and a half and yeah, Actually, they know. The, the funniest, this is way back in the 90s. It's one of the first years I was doing a road trip in the Redskins. It's still at RFK, which is in a neighborhood. I mean, you're going past row houses and things like that, and it's not real far from the Capitol. But we're going from the team hotel was somewhere near the White House, and we go down uh, Pennsylvania Avenue and past the Capitol building. You're going through this neighborhood, and there's this boy that he couldn't have been more than seven or eight years old, and he's just walking down the sidewalk. And he looks over his shoulder and he sees the cowboy buses coming, and he just drops his drawers and moons the moons the uh, buses coming by. And I thought, boy, they teach him early here with the Redskins. Yeah, hate is a part of the education very early. <laughs> and uh, that can be energizing. Watch this yeah. segue. That can be energizing there we for go. a visiting team, yeah. right? Yes. Uh, and so there, the atmosphere should be electric on uh, Sunday afternoon, in yeah. spite of the fact that both teams have been. Uh, occasionally absolutely rancid yeah. uh, throughout the years. So let's talk about psychology mm-hmm. of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was interested in the fact that Sean Lee and Dak Prescott, among others, said after the game yesterday that Jason Garrett gave one of the best hype talks they'd ever heard on Saturday night before yeah. the game. He's, you can attest, yeah. he's pretty good at that. Yes, he is. When he, when he very, brings very his good. A game. Very good. Um, this is what he sounded like after the game. Yeah. Big hugs uh, all around, and uh, we're going to hear the audio of that in just a moment. Yeah, but that, so I, that, that has a real effect. It does. It? it does, right? Because the difference between the Friday night game or the, or the Saturday night speech, which is always good, and you watch the highlight video and like you get it going, but then you got to go to bed. Right, and then you got to wake up, and then you got to you got to manufacture it again because generally, you know, three o'clock game, you may do a walkthrough, but you're not coming together as an entire team the day of the game. So that's the last time you're all together. But it's prepared too. So he has all week, and, and yeah. Jason of all coaches works on this all week long, like, like a sermon. Yes, I'm, and very and very much so. And so he brings in all these lessons that he's talked about over the year, over the last couple of weeks, whatever's relevant that week, and he implements it. And he does such a great job. But what we'll, what we'll hear in a little bit post game is is that that is raw and that is real, and that's been right. So. In, in, in all transparency, that is the thing that has been the criticism of of Jason this whole time, right? From fans From and media fans. who never see well, that part of him. Well, uh, and I'll say this, and I said, and I said transparency because I do believe in that. And that was one thing I almost I craved a little bit as a player, especially 2015 when I wanted him to go off on the team, and I wanted him to hold people accountable. But he is so consistent, and he's so well prepared, and I just. 
what you heard on it, I've, I've heard this, um, uh, I heard it earlier today, but that was that's off the cuff. He didn't have time on the field to like prepare this speech and know what he's going to say and how well he's going to That is as raw and real as you're going to get. This is it. Hey, hey listen up. Just, just a hell of a job, guys. That's a hell of a job. It started on Monday when you came in. The way we practiced all week long, your mindset, your mentality to come to work, to wake in a one-day season. That's what we did all week long. And then we made it a one-game season. Okay, we knew what it was going to be all about. You guys got your mind right, your spirit right, and your body right to play the way we play. Okay, we talked about recapturing the DNA of our team, about team. Team was on display today. You guys know where we are, though. You guys know where we are. We're right back at it. We talked about it all week long. This one's done. Now it's tomorrow. Yes, Tomorrow's a one-day season. Yes, sir. Big-time job, guys. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It, the the consistency about him is something that I maybe I admire it because I'm I'm incapable of of being so uh, emotionally consistent and you can tell when he's yeah. when when it gets to him yeah Krista you and I oh, both sure. been yeah. around him a lot when we've yeah. seen Absolutely. when it really touches him but it just whether he's the coach here next year or not or whatever mm-hmm. he does the, the the fact that people think that he is uh, robotic and emotionless, that, not, that drives me nuts. Not the case. Yeah. Not the case at all. And as a player, you see it. Because here's the thing is, is there's a lot of work that goes into a Sunday, right? And people don't see how much work and how much passion people put into the preparation. And I know that, like, yes, Sundays have not been stellar this year, and there's been a lot of gaps, and there's been some ups and some downs. And But the thing is, is the players see how much he prepares, which – it directly correlates to his passion and how real he is and how much he cares about the guys because he is always prepared and he's always ready for guys. And there's a sense of security in knowing that your coach, he's not going to walk into this game unprepared. He may not make the right calls at the right moment. Nobody does. Nobody does. You, I mean, in Boston, they talk about Bill Belichick not making the right call on sports radio. Like, I guarantee it. But here's the deal. is And, and Jerry and, and to, you know, what he is saying is like, why why am I going to make a change? What's better out there? What's going to be better here? And here's it. And next year, is there anybody better than him well, for this team? Now you've brought up something else, and that is a question that among the three of us, I think only you can answer. Mm. And that is, do you reach a point, barring the kind of success that, for instance, New England has had, mm-hmm. where uh, you just need a different voice? I don't. I haven't seen the, uh, and we talk about it. This, there's no quit in this team, but there's something really important to that. These guys still play really hard. They may not do the right things, um, but they still play really hard. Which, if they're playing hard for someone, whatever the motivation is, are they going to play harder for someone else? I don't know. And I don't. And I think that's the question that that you know Stephen and Jerry and and Jerry Jr. and 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 Will and all these you know decision makers are questions like, is there someone out there that's better? And I don't know. I don't. I, I'll say this. I know there's no one out there that's going to prepare as much as he does. Now again, is he preparing in the right way for this team? I don't. I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm 100 a Jason Jason Garrett advocate. I think that he is a great man. He's a great leader. Guys follow him. And the other thing, too, is that I tell people, they're like, oh, what was your favorite team you played for? Uh, and it's really easy for me. It's the Cowboys. And they're like, oh, yeah, because you know, there's a lot of perks for playing for the Cowboys and the Jones family. No, it's it was literally the first time I enjoyed football like I did in high school. Really? At re- 100% the truth. And you ask my wife that. The same thing is 
I enjoyed ball again to the level that I did. Whereas there's a handful of years where I was playing in the NFL, it was a job and it was, I have to work and every day it was life or death, which, okay, is good and which is bad. But when I came here, I still wanted to work hard, but I enjoyed football and Jason was the reason for that. And that why. <laughs> Why Tyler and Tiffany on Friday night were here at the Star, oh, yeah. helping Jason Witten and Michelle Witten and the Dallas Cowboys Women's Association. Mm-hmm. Even though Tiffany and Tyler haven't been, you know, on mm-hmm. the roster, they're still helping with the charitable event on mm-hmm. Friday night because the all the stuff about football and family and stuff. Yeah. I mean, it I, is. I, yeah, it's it it's, is. it's true in in so many cases. So uh, before we have to wrap up, that will lead me to a, uh, hearing each of you answer a question I was asked on the radio locally this morning, and that was this. And you answer, and then I'll tell you what I said. Was the win yesterday more enjoyable or maddening? Ooh, it, it was both, actually. No, it was more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. It was more enjoyable. And, and here's why. Sean Lee, and I said this on the air, Sean Lee's interception return where he looked Zeke, yeah. he out Zeke, Zeke on the return. Yeah. The celebration on the sideline. Jason Witten, I've never seen him jump that high. I didn't know he had that much sky in him to do a flying much. chest bump to Sean Lee. But that was the big, other than a game-winning play yeah. at the end, yeah. that was the biggest celebration I can remember in a long time on the Cowboys sideline. I agree. And 100%, it was more fun. It was it was enjoyable to watch that. Um you know, I I'm an optimist, so I want these guys to do well. Um, you know, I still know and and are friends with a lot of guys on this roster, and and I want this this group of men to be successful. So seeing that, not that like I'm a dad, but but it's that feeling like <laughs> I I want them to do well and I want them to be successful. And and Sean having the game that he did. Like no one's more deserving of playing at that level and getting the the recognition for it than him. And then Jason too. I mean, you see that catch. Like he surprises you. Yeah. I mean, that one handed catch. Watching those things, it was so fun to watch because yes, finally we're seeing what they're capable of and what we expected them to do. But also just to see them. Okay, that confidence. And we've talked momentum yeah. all year, right? And the effect of that and what that's going to have. To see that. Okay, hey, here's a spark. Right. And then Troy was talking about I heard Troy talking about it on the TV cast and talking about the 95 team and how they just did not play very good ball, but they hit it at the right time. And we are built to play well against really good teams because we have the talent. Now, we haven't showed that consistently, but the only the only time that it really matters is from here going forward. So so we're here and everything is at our fingertips. It's just now the, the big question is, is okay, you can get up for games. And, and I'll, I'll end it with this because I know we're, we're, we're running at the end. Is It's such a week-to-week thing, right? And the Rams played lights out against the Seahawks. And it was, it was like really scary thinking that, okay, they're going to come in here and they're going to have momentum. And but they showed up like that. It reminds me of the 2014 Indianapolis Colts game when we when we uh, secured the uh, division, and they were I think they were like nine and four at the time. They were a really good team playing really good ball, and on film they looked amazing. And they came in and we beat the brakes off of them. And I thought, 
honestly, coming into that game, I thought we were a little bit laxed, and I thought that like, I, will, I don't know if we're focused because this isn't. We don't have to win this. We just have to win one more game this year, and we'll get one the next week. And I honestly came in a little bit worried, and we came in and absolutely beat them up. And this game reminded me of it. This this really, but it's a week to week deal. And the big question is, is can we replicate? Two weeks in a row. And that's why my answer to the question, was it more enjoyable or maddening, was first I said to myself and not out loud, see, this is why I hate fans and some media sometimes. Mm -hmm. Why why do you have to ask that question? Why? And that's why the answer I gave on the air was, it doesn't matter. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't matter if it was more enjoyable or maddening because, and then I said what you just said, Tyler, Mm. the only thing that matters is what they do now. Yeah. If they just go do what they know and have now reminded everyone they are capable of doing, then they will continue to go and do what they wanted to do. And that's all that matters. It doesn't matter. The Vikings game doesn't matter. Would you like to have the best record and play two games at home? And uh, yeah, of course you sure. would. But uh, St. Louis Blues, yeah. Washington Nationals, you have to be in. Yeah. Once you're in, then you do what you can do. And all the re- all the Green Bay and Jets and all the nonsense doesn't matter. Mm-mm. It just doesn't matter. It, Jason Garrett was a hundred percent right. It's a one-game season. Mm-hmm. It's a one-day, one-game season. <laughs> that's correct. And today's and, the day. That's right. So if this isn't blingy enough for Christy to wear to the Christmas party tonight, I'm looking oh, forward just, to seeing yeah. it. Oh. I'm looking forward because I Just you wait. About three hours. I, I will have no bling. I have no bling. Uh we are not going to be here because of the uh, holiday next week. Yep. We'll tell everybody that right now. And um, and then we'll see what's going on in two weeks. But we might be looking forward to getting ready for a playoff game in a week's right. time after that. That so, is exactly right. Uh, Merry Christmas and happy holidays, Mr. Klutz. Thank you. Uh, you all see later. <laughs> yeah. All of you, thanks for being with us. I'm Brad Sham. This is Radioheads. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?